Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 342. If there's one aspect of Royal Caribbean Cruise that is the least enjoyed, it has to be packing. Packing is a necessary evil, but it doesn't have to be a major barrier for anyone new to cruising. This week, I'm going to share the important things to consider when packing for a cruise so you don't have a major problem later. Here we go. I think if there's one thing that gives a lot of cruisers grief, it's definitely packing. I mean, sure, if you're new to cruising and you're trying to figure out, you know, what ship to pick or the itinerary or some basics, that might certainly rank up there. But a universal truth, whether it's your first cruise or your fifth cruise or maybe even your 10th cruise, is packing is kind of a challenge, especially when you start going to different itineraries and whatnot. And I got to tell you, it's something that I struggle with, too, because you're always trying to balance what do you need to bring, what should you not bring because it's a waste and is there any way in the middle that you can kind of not bring as much as you possibly could be bringing thus not overpacking right there's a lot of considerations when it comes to packing and i think the first thing i gotta say in the beginning before we talk about any specific cruise packing tips is that at the end of the day it's not a big deal um i always tell my wife i say when we're about to leave the house to go on a cruise i say do we have our passports yes do we have our credit cards yes okay everything else we can buy. Everything else can be solved later on. Now, obviously, that's not ideal. You don't want to get to the ship and realize, okay, you have absolutely no clothing and you need now to go to the nearest Target in order to get stuff. Obviously, no one wants that. But the bottom line is there are certain things that can be replaced and other things that are critical. So your cruise documentation, a passport, and means of which to buy other things, a credit card. Beyond that, you're off to the races. So that's number one. Always remember that uh, everyone who's forgotten stuff, I'm one of those people I've been able to buy it later on. Sometimes you can buy it on the ship, other times in port. But the bottom line is you shouldn't look at it as, oh gosh, if you forget one thing, well, cruise ruined and vacation ruined far from it. I think there's a lot of things when it comes to packing you can consider and strategies and whatnot. But I think when you're talking about cruising, keep it simple, keep it practical. And I feel like that's really going to help you out quite a bit. Now, in terms of packing, obviously, if you are flying, I think packing is a lot more difficult than if you're driving uh, because, of course, flying requires you to usually check bags. And if you're checking bags on most airlines, that's going to incur a higher fee. What I also tell my wife and something that I try to practice what I preach is that at the end of the day, if it's going to cost us 30 more bucks to get another bag checked, OK, so be it. It's the it's the cost of the vacation. It's not I'm not going to sit here and, you know, go crazy over. Do I really need this pair of shoes or another pair of pants? You know, like. At the end of the day, if the problem is greatly simplified by adding another bag, just add another bag. But I totally get it. No one wants to pay extra money for checked luggage. So there is that consideration. If you are driving to your cruise port and you don't need to fly, the good news is Rogan really doesn't have any formal restrictions. It's not like a cruise line where you have to have two bags per person. They don't care. I think last I checked, it's been a number of years, but Royal Caribbean's rules used to say something within reason. Essentially, you just can't bring like 700 bags with you, right? You just have to bring somewhat reasonable with what you're bringing with you and kind of go from there. So I feel like, you know, when, when you're looking at packing, especially if you're driving to the port, it's a whole lot easier because if you need that extra bag, if you need something else, go, it's, it's a lot easier to do because you obviously don't have to worry about checking things. There's no extra cost with Royal Caribbean for bringing luggage. So if that makes you feel any better about it, there you go. Something to uh, definitely keep in mind. So let's go through some of the important things about packing. These are, again, I'm not sure this is the end all be all of what you should pack for a cruise, but I think it is a good starting point. It's something I think that you should also consider uh, for pretty much most cruises. Number one, without a doubt, are your passports and your cruise documents. In order to get on your cruise, you're going to need your cruise documents. That is your passport, your birth certificate if you're going that route, state issued ID, 
And of course, your set sale pass. Now, set sale passes these days in 2020 are a lot easier because most ships now are digital with via Royal Caribbean's app. However, if you don't have that, you'll be printing it out. The good news is, even if you forget the printout, I've done that before, even if you forgot to do online check-in, doesn't matter. You can always show up to the port without any of these things. It's just going to be uh, something, it'll take you extra time in the in the terminal, but we're not talking about another hour. We're talking about probably another 10 minutes or so. So not a big deal. But your passport and your birth certificate and your state issued ID, these absolutely, positively, you cannot cruise without. If you were to get to the airport, if you were to get anywhere and realize you don't have these, that is when you start freaking out. That's when you got to turn around and go back home or have someone send it to you. Basically, do not leave the house without this. This is your your cruise documents are probably the most important thing to do. Also included with this, by the way, are luggage tags. And just like the cruise documents, if you forget them, and oftentimes what I do is I'll do the online check-in. I'll be like, oh, I'll print those luggage tags later. And then inevitably I forget to do it. And you can't print it out the day of the cruise. So I end up with no luggage tags to print out. Not a big deal. When you get to the cruise terminal, just tell the porters, hey, I forgot my luggage tags. And they can write one up for you. You're good to go there. So number one, your cruise documents. That's the most important thing to do. Make sure you have that. Check it seven times before you go, literally before you leave the house, before you back out of that driveway. Visual proof. Not like, oh yeah, I packed it, no problem. Visual proof. Where is the proof of life? You need to be able to see it. That's number one. Next up is definitely you want to bring some sort of a bag to be able to bring not only on embarkation day, but also and or during your port visits. You know, one mantra I always am big on is that the first day of your cruise, you want to have a carry-on bag with you that's light enough, small enough to be able to carry around easily, but also large enough to be able to hold some important things like your travel documents, your cash, perhaps uh, your bathing suit, uh, medication, sunglasses, and maybe a change of clothes. Uh, and it's okay if your carry-on bag is different than the bag you bring to the beach or to the ports you're visiting. The bottom line is you're going to need a bag for both scenarios, a bag for embarkation day and a bag for your first, your, your import, I should say, the things you're doing in port during your excursions. And they may not be the same bag because for a lot of people, your carry-on bag can literally be just a nice little handbag. A lot of ladies like having those bags that, I don't know what the name of it, it goes over your shoulder like it's not a purse, it's bigger than a purse, but you can just you know shove things in there, it's good to go. But if you're doing a shore excursion, especially ones that are more active, you may need more of a backpack or some sort of bag that, that seals a little bit better. And so again, that's why I'm saying it might not be the same one. But the bottom line is you wanna make sure you have these bags, especially to go to the beach, I think it's really helpful really helpful to have a bag you can shove your towels in. We like to have two bags when we go to the beach day on a Royal Caribbean cruise. We'll have one bag for the towels, which again is usually like some sort of a sack or a large bag where you can shove probably four towels in there pretty easily. And then another bag for things like your sunglasses and the sunscreen and the kids' toys and change of clothes and a cover-up, those kinds, you know what I mean? So you want to have both those kind of bags. I think it's really important to make sure that you uh, take that with you. So that's really important. Next one is almost a don't bring, but still you gotta bring something, which is a cruise approved power splitter, essentially. If you're going on a Royal Caribbean cruise, even the newest ships, power outlets are really at a premium. And if you've got more than like one device, like a phone and a tablet, and if you're trying, you know, which is pretty much everybody, you're gonna be playing a lot of musical chairs when it comes to trying to plug things and keep them charged up. You cannot bring a power strip or a surge protector on Royal Caribbean. Back in the day, I would have told you, okay, you just don't bring a power, a surge protector, but a power strip is okay. But these days, Royal Caribbean's security is 
doesn't really discern very well between the two. They, they it's not their job to sit there and be like, ah, okay, that's the uh, GE model one seven eight, and that has a surge protector. That's okay, but not that. You're like, no, they're just gonna ban them all. So what you really want to have, because let's be honest, this is what really is, I think, more practical, is to have a USB hub. These are ones where essentially your hub plugs into the outlet, so it plugs into the electrical outlet, and then it provides multiple USB ports for you to charge simultaneously. So this could be, they come in combinations of two, three, four, seven, twelve. 12, I don't know how many there are, but you definitely want to bring one of those because that way you can charge multiple devices at the same time. That is really important. Another do's even area is definitely power extenders, uh, things that make the cord go longer. Again, USB is fine, that's fine, but for power ones, again, you run into some issues there, I just wouldn't bring those, so there you go. Now, of course, let's talk about the meat of this whole discussion, which is what do you wear on a cruise? What do you bring with you? I definitely tell you there are two things, two types of clothing you're wearing. You've got the, what you're wearing in the daytime and the what you're wearing at night. That's the basics of it. So on a sea day, classic example, right? you may have up to, well, technically three things you're wearing, three outfits, I should say. You wake up in the morning, you're putting on perhaps t-shirt and shorts, you go eat breakfast, do something, and then you change into your bathing suit, and then at the end of the day, you're changing back into what you were wearing earlier in the day, or you're going right to your evening wear. But you've got what you're wearing in the daytime, and then what you've got when the nighttime. In the nighttime, it's what you're basically wearing to dinner and maybe any activities thereafter. Let's call this from basically five or 6 p.m. onwards. This can obviously depend on your itinerary and a variety of other factors, but it's what you're wearing to dinner. And I will tell you that what to wear in the evening, I think, is the greatest source of frustration and anxiety among new cruisers because of two words, formal night. I, I can't tell you how many people are, and understandably, concerned that they are going to be ostracized on board the ship for wearing the wrong things. Let me put your mind at ease right now. Despite the name, whether we're talking about formal night, whether we're talking about casual night or whatever Wilkerman wants to call it, it is far from as formal as it sounds. This is not your senior prom. It's nothing like that at all. Really what this is, is just wear something nicer than you would in the daytime. Even formal night is not that formal. So let's talk about, let's give examples. I'm gonna start with formal night because that's the one everyone always worried about. For guys, you can easily wear a collared shirt like a polo or a collar, button-up collared shirt and a pair of slacks, nice jeans, something like that. Totally acceptable, okay? There's no problems there whatsoever with wearing that. Do some men opt to wear jackets? Yes, that's not, I wear a jacket. Do some men sometimes wear a, a jacket and a suit? Yes, sometimes people do that as well. Do some people wear a tuxedo? Absolutely. I've never worn a tuxedo on a cruise ship. I have worn a jacket and tie, but truly you don't need to go to that level. And if that's not your style, if it's not your thing, you don't wanna wear that, Totally cool, but if you do, because it is kind of fun to dress up every now and then, sure, go for it. For ladies, look, the description I just gave you, I'm sure you can kind of apply the female equivalence of all this, right? You don't have to wear a ball gown. You can simply wear a nice blouse and a pair of lady pants. I don't know what they call them. Je I mean, there's jeans, but there's pantaloons. I don't know what ladies call their pants, but you know what I mean. You can wear that, skirt. You can, the, you can run the gamut. You can wear a formal ball gown. You can look like Cinderella. You can have uh, gloves and your wedding dress if you want to wear that. Totally fine. But you don't have to go quite that far. Um, and and by the way, for formal night, and all these, when you see formal night or casual night, this only applies to one place on the ship, and that is the main dining room. Anywhere else on Royal Caribbean ships, you walk in the, main, in the Royal Promenade, you walk down the hallway, you're at the pool deck, the dress code does not apply there. It does not matter. So if you're saying, well, Matt, I'm not going to go to, I'm not going to the dining room on formal night. 
do I need to dress up for formal night? And the answer is no, absolutely not. It only applies to formal night. Specialty restaurants like Chop's Grill or Jamie's Italian Izumi, they have their own dress code, which supersedes the main dining room dress code. And their dress code is always a step down from formal night. It's always like business casual or smart casual, something like that. Um, but the reality is, and, and, and after I've said all this about what to wear on formal night, here's the other reality. Royal Caribbean doesn't enforce the rules at all. There are some really vague rules you will find on Royal Caribbean's website and written out on the cruise ship and the cruise compass. In my experience, they don't ex they don't enforce it. They just simply don't. Um, you would really have to show up wearing some. Uh, there was a lady I, I I'm not on my last cruise who sh who came to the dining room in a bathing suit. It was her first cruise. She didn't know. I think we were all kind of surprised. She, it was a one-piece, I don't know, is that a singlet? I'm not sure, but not, not a bikini, a one-piece bathing suit. And she put a towel around herself. And in that situation, believe it or not, she got in the dining room. Nobody stopped her at the door. Later on, it, she was informed about the rules, and then she changed. But uh, the bottom line is the rules are very, 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 very loosely enforced. So don't freak out too much about it. That's why I'm telling people don't worry too much. Wear something nice, and you're good to go. For other non-formal nights, which is pretty much the rest of the cruise, it, you're really just wearing, you know, for guys, again, collared shirt. I would wear a polo, nice pair of pants. You know, the debate is always, would you want to wear shorts in the dining room? And I'm not going to get into that debate. Because, again, it doesn't matter because Royal Caribbean doesn't enforce the rules anyway. So it's it's a moot issue, if you ask me. Um, but really, you need something for the, for the evening. I think that's a fair assessment. People, I think, generally would tell you regardless of Royal Caribbean enforcing the rules or not, you're going to see a lot of people dress up nicer than they are during the daytime. That is probably a fact. Most people, uh, not all, but most people do dress up a little bit nicer. And if you want to feel like you're part of the crowd, hey, good for you. You can do that as well. During the daytime, it's pretty much whatever you want to wear. I mean, within reason, right? I mean, you're wearing a bathing suit to the pool deck. Uh, a lot of times I'll wear my bathing suit straight up on excursions. My wife and kids may wear a cover-up. Um, on top of their bathing suit, if we're going to do something water-based, like going to the pool or the beach or something. Uh, on board the ship, it's almost always shorts and t-shirts. Obviously, for other itineraries, this is the Caribbean we're talking about. If we're talking about Alaska, we've done episodes specifically about that, so that's a whole different conversation for a different day. But you should have, basically, you plan on having an outfit for the daytime, an outfit for the evening, and, of course, I would say one, maybe two bathing suits to use because you, bathing suits dry out pretty quickly. Two is ideal because you can swap them out pretty easily. Also, bathing suits can be like shoved almost anywhere in your suitcase. They don't need to be folded because they're just, you just, if I, I, I never fold them, I just shove them in a corner somewhere where there's a gap and they'll fit in there magically. So there you go. Uh, you're, you're good in, in that case. If we're talking about Alaska and the Mediterranean or some other places, there are some other considerations. Like if you're going to a religious uh, site, like if you're going to Rome and you're going to visit a church, well, you should probably dress a little nicer, especially for ladies, uh, covered shoulders, things of that nature. If you're going to Alaska, you're going to need warmer clothing, but that's a different conversation for kind of a different day. But I just want to give you the basics of what you're kind of looking at when it comes to packing uh, for that. Next, let me hear something that I think is really helpful to bring is wrinkle release. You cannot bring an iron with you. There is no self-service laundry on board. So you're going to need to bring some sort of a means of unwrinkling clothing, assuming your clothing is not wrinkle-free to begin with. And a really good one, Downey makes a wrinkle release spray. Everyone swears by this thing. It's great. It's like five bucks. Buy it. You're good to go. There are other means you can like, you know, steam up your shower and then shove your clothes in there and it'll help with that. You can do that as well. But um, a wrinkle release spray is a really good idea because that'll help. Also, uh, Tide to Go is something else that works out really well because Tide to Go, if you spill something, obviously, you can just try to take care of that. I do want to make one more point about packing, by the way, because I forgot about this, which is you're on a seven-night cruise. Okay, well, I mentioned you need an outfit for the daytime and an outfit for the evening, so... 
uh, am I advocating you need to bring seven outfits and seven seven outfits for the daytime, seven outfits for the nighttime, and like two bathing suits? The answer is you don't need to do that. A couple things to keep in mind. Number one, nobody, and I mean nobody, is keeping track of what you're wearing. And it's okay if you wear the same outfit two days in a row or two days during your cruise. Nobody pays attention. Nobody knows. It's okay. Your secret's safe with me, right? Um, that's number one. Number two, if you're saying, well, Matt, regardless of almost keeping track of it, I, I just feel, I don't know, I, it's a little soiled for my taste. That's okay, too. Another option, something I've taken advantage of recently, is the laundry on board. As I mentioned, there's no self-service laundry, but you can do a wash and fold option with Royal Caribbean. Essentially, yes, your state attendant, they'll give you a plastic bag, you shove your clothing in there, and then we'll wash and fold it. It is cheaper than dry cleaning, and it's a great way to help save space. If you're on a longer sailing, if you're on a 7, 8, 9, 14 night sailing, you can, you know, really pack for half that time. And then about, you know, on day three or so, give your attendant some laundry to do. And for a nominal fee, probably the equivalent, you're probably paying about 20 to $30 anyway for this, which is essentially the same equivalent of packing another bag and checking that on your airplane. You can have them do the laundry and then be able to reuse that clothing. So that's definitely a good strategy, um, something that I've tried to embrace even when I'm driving, because it's just the end of the day. I don't want to pack all that stuff. It's annoying. It's uh, it's unnecessary, really, especially for Caribbean cruises, you know? So something else to consider. Um, when you're also talking about what else to pack, let's talk about, um, you know, your footwear. On board the ship, I'll just leave it. You need sneakers. You need something for your formal wear and what to wear at dinner. But um, and with the places you're visiting, I think certainly flip-flops or sandals, whatever your preference is, is a really good idea. The question I get a lot about is water shoes and what not to do. I don't like water shoes. I just don't like the feel of them once they're wet. It's kind of weird. I don't know. It doesn't jive with me. But if you are doing certain excursions, like uh, Duns River Falls in Jamaica, Labadee is also kind of rocky in their beaches. If you're worried about that, water shoes aren't a bad idea, but I wouldn't spend money on it. I would I would buy water shoes if you are in like your, your local Walmart or Target or whatever, and you have anybody walking by, and all of a sudden you see like clearance water shoes. Sure, pick one up then but don't pay top dollar for them. I think they're largely unnecessary, especially in the Caribbean. Most places are pretty sans rocky. It's really just a couple of excursions, things like that, that might be helpful. But I'm going to tell you guys, I think in my lifetime, I have worn, I don't know, two pairs of water shoes in my lifetime. And both times I've, the feeling of them is like gross. So I, I think it's not necessary to, to bring on board. So definitely, um, the other thing you want also is is beverages to bring on board. So we were talking about clothing a lot, but don't forget you can bring up to two bottles of wine per stateroom. And in addition to that, up to 12 bottles or cans, whatever, of non-alcoholic beverage. So yes, on the first day of your cruise, you can bring a 12-pack of soda or a 12-pack of bottled water and two bottles of wine on the first day of your cruise per stateroom. No cost for that. There is a corkage fee for the wine. You should be aware that Royal Caribbean doesn't charge a corkage fee. But I'll also point out, that since Royal Caribbean reinstituted the corkage fee, which is probably about two or three years ago now, I have never been charged a corkage fee. I mean, never, never, not once. I never, I don't go in there and pretend that Royal Caribbean gave me this wine. I just simply bring it to a dining room and say, hello, well, how are you doing tonight? Great, um, I've got this bottle of wine. Would you mind opening it for me? Now, granted, if they said, uh, you know, Mr. Matt, would you like me to, Is it, you know, it's going to cost you a corkage fee or, you know, did you bring this on board? I always answer yes. I think like two or three times they've actually asked me, have you brought this on board? And I said, yes. They never charge me a corkage fee. So I, I, it's one of the least enforced rules ever in Royal Caribbean beyond maybe the dining room uh, dress code. But anyway, you should be aware a corkage fee does exist for the bottled uh, wine that you're bringing. Of course, you could always open it in your room for no fee. But I'm going to tell you guys, unless you went there, I think unless you went there and said, hey, I brought this wine on board. Are you going to charge me a corkage fee for that? 
I, I really don't think you're going to incur it. If you do, you should play the lottery that day because the odds are clearly working in, in opposite favor of you today. And I don't know, maybe you're feeling reverse lucky or something like that. But um, you definitely can bring non-alcoholic beverages, wine. You cannot bring alcohol with you on board. No beer. Obviously, wine is allowed. But uh, champagne is allowed because that's sparkling wine. But no liquor, no beer. Uh, and no, you should not... And uh, try to smuggle alcohol on board. I quite frankly think it's a complete waste of your time. I really do. I think that number one, you're gonna spend a lot of time and effort trying to smuggle it. Number two, even if you do smuggle it on board, never mind you're breaking the rules and blah, 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 blah. More importantly, what are you gonna do once you smuggle it on board? You're gonna go back to your room every like, you know, 20 minutes to get another drink? Like, because you can't just sit up there on the pool deck with a bottle of Jack and pouring yourself drinks. It's just, it, clearly that's flagrantly breaking the rules right there. So you're gonna have to go back to your room not practical. I don't care. Anyway, it's against the rules. That's the most important thing right there. So do not bring one. There you go. Uh, something else you should be bringing with you, sunscreen, suntan lotion. My goodness. the One of the least appreciated but most important things to bring because I'm, I'll admit there have been a couple of cruises where I've gone by myself without my wife and I've completely forgotten sunscreen. Very, very important. Bring that with you. It, you thank me later. It's get the spray on, whatever you want. Um, I know that these days there's a lot of uh, certain islands out there saying, you know, you need to have uh, the, the reef safe stuff. So if you're buying it, certainly do that. With Royal Caribbean, they don't have any policies for Cuckoo Key or Labadee specifically, but I think it's probably a good idea if you're probably buying some just to get the reef safe stuff. That way you're good to go there. Um, but definitely bring it and use it. Packing it is one thing. Using it is something totally different. So bring sunscreen with you. You also want to bring medicine. This is something that I have forgotten a lot. Prescription medicine, that's obviously most important. But secondarily, things that you might need, like Tylenol, ibuprofen, uh, cough medicine, things like that. You never know when you're going to run into it. Yes, you can buy these some of these things either on board the ship or in a port you're visiting. But as you're probably keenly aware, you'll be charged a lot for it. And you already have it at home anyway. So... Packing medicine is a really good idea for some basic stuff, just in case you need. Hopefully you won't, but you never know if you might need it. So that's a really good idea. And that also leads us into our, our seasickness medication discussion. That's a big one. There's a lot of ways to combat seasickness, but number one, I always tell this to first-time cruisers, is don't worry about it too much. It generally doesn't happen all that often, so not nearly as often as I think first-time cruisers think it's going to happen. So take solace in that. Number two... There are a number of remedies for seasickness. My favorite, my go-to one is Bonine. It's an over-the-counter medication. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it in your local store. It's it's fairly inexpensive. You take it in a pill, works for 24 hours. The side effect is it will make you sleepy. Um, so you're going to need a nap probably. Uh, I think the strategy you're supposed to do is take it like maybe an hour or two before you want to go to bed for the evening. That way you're protected all the next day. But I certainly never remember that strategy myself and I end up always taking it in the middle of the day. And then I'm like, oh boy. Matt needs a nap. So, and I would point out having to take a nap is better than being seasick. So not the end of the world, but um, to me, that's well worth bringing with you. There are other remedies as well. There's the patch that goes behind your ear. You can go for some homeopathic means. There's um, some uh, bracelets you can wear. You can opt to just get green apples on board the ship. And people say that the peel of the green apple is a natural remedy for it. I believe them. I just when it, it's happened to me a couple times where I've gotten seasick and then I'm like, I just want, give me, give me the good stuff. Give me the medicine, you know, hit me. And because it's fast acting, I know it works and et cetera. So anyway, you want to have seasickness medicine. That's an important thing to do uh, with you. Uh, obviously, something else you should bring with you is cash. This is easily missed because Royal Caribbean on board the ship is a cashless environment. Uh, you don't really need cash on board, but you will need cash either uh, before your cruise, after your cruise, or even in the ports you're visiting, tipping, 
Paying for certain services does require cash. The casino requires cash. Yes, there's ATM machines on board the ship. Yes, the casino will advance you money, but those have fees associated with them. So obviously, if you can get it at home from your ATM machine, from your home bank where there are no fees, you'll be saving some money over there. You want to bring with you not only, you know, 20s and hundreds or whatnot, you want to bring with you smaller bills, dollar bills, $5 bills, even $2 bills if you can. That way, it's easier to give tips out. I'd probably say bring enough for about $20 to $50 of tips in small bills because getting in and out of taxis, doing a shore excursion, porters, it really makes it worthwhile. Now, of course, a really hard question to answer is how much money should you bring? I don't know of any model that makes sense. It really depends on you. I think $100 a day is not a bad idea. It's a good starting point. But again, that's going to be different for someone who's going with two people versus four versus six. But you want to have a decent amount of cash on hand. Not a, you don't need a ton, okay? Don't be going on board with like $5,000 in cash. That's probably too much. <laughs> because you can get cash later on. I think credit cards are safer anyway. If you lose your cash, you're out of it. You lose your credit card, that's okay. Your credit card company's got your back on that one. And I generally use the credit card for most transactions where I can and I use the cash for things I can't. Taxis, tips, things of that nature. So you don't need to have a ton of cash with you, but it is important to bring some cash with you because it's it's going to be very helpful. If you're in Europe, you want to make sure you have some euros with you um, or at least the local currency. For the Caribbean, absolutely no reason to change currency. Dollars are accepted everywhere in the Caribbean. So not to worry there. Uh, sometimes you might get local currency back. Like as an example, in Mexico, Cozumel, sometimes if I go to a store that is not accustomed to getting tourists, I'll get pesos back. But they all everybody takes U.S. dollars. I mean, everybody. There used to be a debate in Cuba what to do, but that's irrelevant now because we can't go to Cuba on a roller coaster cruise or any cruise for that matter. So you're, you're good to go right there. So that's bring cash with you. Um, next is something to bring for the kids. Um, and when I say bring stuff for the kids, I'm not talking about just clothing. You've got younger children. You want to bring enough supplies more than you need. So if you're saying, all right, seven nights, I mean, I need, you know, this amount of diapers, this amount of rash cream, this amount of wipes. You need to plan for at least 25% more. Running out of these things seem to occur a lot more often. You seem to go through a lot more materials for young children on a Royal Caribbean cruise, especially for babies. So formula, diapers, wipes, bring anywhere from 25 50% more than you think you really need because you just seem to go through it a lot. Swim diapers, that's a big one you want to bring with you especially. So make sure you have those things. There's a lot of other uh, you know options to consider when it comes to bring what to bring for, for young children. Um, I wouldn't bring that many toys, maybe one or two, because they're, you're not sitting in your room as much as you think. I think that's also a big misconception among all cruisers, regardless if you're young or, or, or senior citizen. Um, the amount of time you spend in your room is a lot less than you would in a hotel room on land. It's just not how it works. So you don't need to bring your kid's whole playroom with you. I think one or two toys is totally fine for some downtime in the evening or in the morning when they first wake up. But otherwise, you're good You're good to go. In fact, in a lot of cases for, for toddlers, uh, the nursery will actually loan you out toys if you want to use them. So that's something that's not usually known, but you can ask them for and they can do that. Something about my wife absolutely always brings, I never bring because I don't really care for it, is a lanyard. Um, be able to store your C-Pass card. Now, of course, this makes sense. I'm a guy. I've got usually pockets in my in my clothing, whereas my wife does not. But a lanyard is a good idea. They do sell lanyards on board Royal Caribbean. They're not free. They do sell them. They're expensive. You can buy them on Amazon or one of your local stores on a heck of a lot cheaper. So bring a lanyard with you. That's a really important thing to do. So there you go. There's kind of the, I think the most important things when it comes to packing. It's a lot, but it's also manageable. And don't look at it like if you forget one thing, it's the end of the world. Really, your cruise documentation is the one thing you can't forget. Everything else, everything I talked about just now, 
can be purchased. So don't look at it as too much of a problem if you forget, oh, you know what? I packed all the pants and the shorts, but I forgot my underwear. I've, I forgot. I, there were one cruise I forgot socks completely. Another cruise, I think I forgot pants. So it happens. You buy them. Not the end of the world. You'll laugh about it later. But these are things you can be that can be taken care of later. But again, you want to make sure that you pack as much as you can so that way you're good to go. But it's okay if you need to buy something on board or run through laundry. Bottom line is you'll still have a great cruise regardless. Just don't look at it like an overwhelming. Like Don't look at it like the way people do, people do taxes. I feel like taxes, doing your taxes, and packing for a cruise have an equal level of anxiety, frustration, and lament. Shouldn't be that way. Taxes, yes, but not for packing for a Royal Caribbean cruise. All right, let's answer some of your listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I invite you to send me an email, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, and I'll read it here on the podcast as soon as I can. Starting with an email from Alan Agor from Paulsbow, Washington. I've been binging on the old episodes of the podcast. On episode 239, there was a discussion about travel agent rebates. I know that this is a long time ago, but right after the email, I wanted to reply about the next email was about someone who was referencing one of your first podcast episodes ever. I felt like cruise gods have spoken, so I had to write this email. I wanted to get my thoughts on travel agents. My next cruise and previous bookings were booked through a travel agent solely on the amount of onboard credit that would be provided. At the time, I didn't know what a good travel agent should do, as I did all the research in booking myself and then just transferred it over to my agent. After listening to your podcast, reading the blog, and watching your live videos, I realized that my travel agent was not doing anything at all. I recently YOLO booked another sailing, but this time I used Stephanie from MEI Travel with no onboard credit for my other, compared to my other travel agent. Wow, the difference. Stephanie asked me about my gratuities and immediately added them, even found a Washington resident discount, saving me a lot of money. After booking, Stephanie let me know of wow sales for both Cruise and the Cruise Planner, even before you post on the blog and Facebook page. She rebooked on her own. I cannot say enough great things about her. I will never go chasing the onboard credit again. I'll be a longtime MEI Travel customer for the future. I know this is a shameless plug for your sponsor, but I'm sure there are other people out there who also didn't know what a good travel agent should do. I'm going on Liberty this season in March and Ovation in May. I'll email you my thoughts on Ovation in preparation for your unofficial group cruise. We're only doing a three night, but it'll be without kids this time. We've already booked the ultimate dining package, deluxe beverage package, and the key. I know you don't recommend the key, but with only three nights to see everything and only being platinum, buying the internet package only and staying in a balcony not sweet, we decided to give it a shot. It was not much more based on the internet package for the two of us for three nights. Anyway, thanks for all you do. I look forward to your lives and podcasts. I feel much more prepared for my upcoming cruise. Thanks to you. Alan, thanks for the email. And yes, thank you for the shameless plug for our sponsor. But it's more than just a shameless plug because I think you hit upon something that's truly important when it comes to why people use a travel agent. Because Alan, when I started out cruising, I was just like you. I was like, where's the money? Show me the money. And I would go and try to find an agent who would give me the most onboard credit until I ran into a situation in which a travel agent really helped and then you realize when you get the service of someone as talented as, say, Stephanie from MEI Travel, and there's a variety of other great agents at MEI Travel, that it stands, it's more important than getting extra 25 bucks on board credit or whatever the case may be. The bottom line is, it's the service they provide, good service, that really stands, especially when there's a problem. I can't tell you, I, a couple of weeks ago or months ago now, if you guys remember, we did that episode where I was talking about how Hurricane Dorian impacted my cruise. And guys, I can't explain in words how much time my travel agent saved me because she had to go sit on hold with Royal Caribbean and they were having multi-hour hold times. It was nuts. I didn't have to deal with any of that. The service they provide you with a good agent is absolutely worthwhile. And Alan, I'm so glad you picked up on that as well because that really is why it's so much. It, it's more than just, hey, who can give me the most onboard credit? 
Next email is from James Woodward of Stevensville, Texas. Matt, my wife and I are sailing out of Galveston on an enchantment of the season. I have two questions about our upcoming cruise. Following your advice, I checked the two of us in through the Royal Caribbean app. Our boarding passes say expedited arrival. What benefits, if any, does I get us sailing out of Galveston and Shaman? If this makes any difference, we're currently platinum level in Crown and Anchor. Expedited arrival essentially means when you get to the terminals, James, you're not going to be waiting in much of a line. There's a special line just for you. Look for it. It's a bright orange sign. You go there. You're going to use facial recognition. You're going to walk. You're going to breeze through the whole thing, my friend. It's it, you thought check-in was pretty easy because it is easy on Royal Caribbean. But expedited arrival basically means you have all the information that Royal Caribbean needs. Your passport, your photo, your credit card. You're, you're good to go. They got everything you need. So all you're really doing is crossing the T's, dotting the I's. That's it. They don't need to ask you information you already provided for them. So you're off to the races. And uh, James, having done expedited arrival a number of times, it's incredible how quickly you... I mean, I've described it as you just... You never stop walking. Like, that's kind of how it is. So look for the special line over there. And by the way, if you're wondering how do you get expedited arrival, there's no mystery to it, assuming your ship and port support it, but you need to be able to do the online check-in via the app, Royal Means app. Make sure you take a selfie and you need to scan your passport. Don't just enter your passport information in manually. Scan it with the app. That, but if you do those three things, you should get expedited arrival. And question number two from James is, it looks like through, though Enchantment only has a chop scroll for specialty dining, they offer an ultimate dining package and a three-night dining package. Does that mean that all meals covered under either of these dining packages would have to be eaten at chop scroll? Thanks so much for the information provided over the years. You've made me a much more educated cruiser. And the answer to your question is yes, there's just chop scroll. There's chef's table, chef's table's not included as part of the dining package, but yeah, I'm looking at a past cruise compass here from Enchantment of the Seas, and I'm actually surprised because I know on like Rhapsody, which is also a Vision class ship, they have a Zoomy. Um, so I'm kind of surprised they don't have anything else. But yeah, it's just a lot of chops grill right there. Essentially, what you're paying for with the Unlimited is is lunch there as well um, on Embarkation Day and Sea Days you have, as opposed to just your dinners only. So hope you like steak. <laughs> Next, we email from Todd writes In 2005, my wife and I took our honeymoon cruise on Mariner of the Seas 15 years ago. Um, but now we're booked on Symphony in 26 days and Oasis next January. My question is, can we send us on for our credit anchor site and receive credit for Mariner? Or what would it be from this point forward? It, you can still get credit for it. Absolutely. You, if you've taken any Royal Caribbean cruise at any point, going back to the 70s, you can still get credit for it. Just call Royal Caribbean's Crown and Anchor Society. Uh, you just call Royal Caribbean's number. It's the same difference. Just be like, hey, I, you know, cruise before. I want to be able to make sure that's part of my account. They can look. All you need is obviously the ship name. The date, that's important because sometimes it's hard to remember that. And uh, obviously your, your name. And they should be able to look it up in the system. And yeah, I, I mean, I, it's not unheard of to have people who've taken cruises, you know, 15, 25, 30 years ago and been able to apply it to their thing. But you were absolutely entitled to it. So make sure you call about it because, hey, th those are points right there. So, And our last email today comes from Andrew Sampson, it's longtime Royal Caribbean fan, short-time Royal Caribbean blog fan. I started researching for our cruise and found your videos, articles, and podcasts tremendously helpful. My fiance and I are going on Harmony of the Seas cruise for our honeymoon in October. So excited. I was wondering if there's any packages, discounts, or overall perks we'll be able to do for it being our honeymoon when going through the booking process. And if so, who do we contact to make that happen? Also, if we go through MEI travel, are we still able to take advantage of the pays you go with the cruise line, or is it all due with the time of booking? Thanks for the hard work that you do. Andrew, thanks for the email. I'm gonna answer your questions in reverse. If you book through a travel agent, MEI or otherwise, when you book a cruise, you have to put a deposit down. As long as you're not past final payment date, Andrew, then your the full amount is not due until your final payment date. So Andrew, if you book a cruise for next year and you booked it today, you could make payments along the way. The difference is you're, you're gonna have to go through the travel agent to make the payment instead of through Royal Caribbean. So you just call your travel agent or email them like, hey, can you uh, charge me $200 or whatever the case may be? half of it, all of it, whatever. But they're the ones who are taking your, your, your payments for you. Likewise, 
it is your honeymoon. No, there's no honeymoon discount, but you can maybe get something out of it. My advice is number one, have your travel agent put on your cruise reservation that it is your honeymoon. Number two, when you go check into anything, the cruise ship, restaurant, an excursion, anything you're doing, when they're saying, hello, what is your name, sir? And you give them your name, mention it is your honeymoon. Let your stereo attendant know it's your honeymoon. You never know. There may be absolutely positively nothing extra you get, but in a lot of cases, you may get some surprises, whether it's a, a, a someone singing to you or a cupcake or a cake at a restaurant, special uh, giveaway. I don't know what the case may be, but it never hurts to mention constantly in any reservation you make, by the way, it's our honeymoon. You never know. You know, you got nothing to lose, everything to gain by doing it. But that's essentially it. Um, their Royal Caribbean does offer, if you want to get decorations for your room, you can purchase a stateroom decoration package, which will put streamers and a sign on your door and things of that nature. If you'd like to, I've done, I think, yeah, we did purchase the uh, honeymoon package when we went on a Royal Caribbean for our honeymoon. Um, you can do those. Um, those are available on the Cruise Planner website. So if you want to surprise your fiance, although if she's listening to this episode, hi. Surprise! <laughs> oh well, uh, you can buy those as well if you'd like to. It's a nominal fee. It's nice to have, um, but that's essentially it. Otherwise, yeah, you're just you know, you're to to quote um to quote a streetcar named Desire. You're gonna have to depend on the kindness of strangers to uh, <laughs> to be getting any kind of freebies out of that. So, thank you, Andrew, for the email. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.